Hello everyone, this is Attila Tote and welcome to the Cogniverse show, where I interview top marketing managers, CMOs and world-class marketers to find out how they tackle the complex challenges of marketing, how they find the road of success and what are the tips and tricks they use to achieve outstanding results. In this episode, we have Christian Schneider, a digital expert whose passion for cars and automotive industry started very early. His childhood dream came true as he's currently the head of digital and customer experience at Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. He has been working for over 10 years for big brands in the automotive industry. Prior to this era, he worked as client advisor in such global advertising agencies as Wunderman PXP and JVT. In addition to this, he's also a lecturer at various specialist conferences and at the University of Vienna for the Department of Advertising. He always focuses on optimizing the customer journey and his motto is some people say good things come to those who wait. Truth is, good things come to those who work hard. A true digital achiever with a serious commitment. You can find Christian on LinkedIn. I will put his link in the show notes. Without further ado, please enjoy this great discussion. Christian, welcome to the Cogniverse show. I'm really happy that you could join and I'm looking forward to an interesting discussion. Hello again and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. So let's start with something really interesting. Is this an urban legend on the web or is it really true that the first word you said as a child was auto instead of mom? It sounds like a good story, right? It sounds like something you would... uh have as a tagline if you have an article or so. No, uh, to be honest, it is in fact true. Uh, it is uh, up to this day something uh, that we still don't talk uh, that much uh, about at home. Um, but um, I'm a car guy and I was obviously uh, from the beginning and I always loved cars even when I was a little child. And so, yeah, my first word was auto. It's pretty funny. It could be really strange for your mother to hear auto. At the end of the day, uh, I came full circle. So now me working <laughs> in the automotive industry for a couple of years, it's um, it's gratifying, obviously, not only for me, but for my mother. So I think uh, uh, it was worthwhile. <laughs> so it was in your DNA, we can say that. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. What's interesting that you're one of the few digital leaders who I see walking their talk. And by this, I mean that many companies just use digital in the same way as they use traditional media and they don't tap into the power of personalization and especially hyper-personalization. Can you tell us a bit about the strategy you adopted for Jeep using content individualization? Sure. Uh, I mean, thanks for... uh... Thanks for saying what you just said for uh, walking the talk. I mean, it's it's something I try. And it is, of course, convenient to pilot new ideas and to try to various things, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, with the limited budget that we have, it's an absolute necessity to pilot a lot of things and to try out new things. And personalization is one of the trends that not only we, but the market uh, is following. 
And in times like these where everyone is so fed up with advertising, I mean, take ad blockers, for example, um, nobody really is, is listening anymore. So personalization is the way to go. Basically, or especially for a brand like Jeep, um, it's benefiting at the end both the user and us as a company. And um, I mean, where we are showing them what's relevant for them and even are able to learn something about the users while doing so, that's something we're going to adapt for future campaigns, obviously. In, uh, in the campaign that you uh, just mentioned with Jeep, um, basically what we did was, a short summary would be, a big content marketing campaign where we created two different storylines which uh, were on uh, landing pages that were uh, individualized 100% based on the engagement of the users. So by mean, by saying that, I mean the first 15-20% of the, of the landing pages were absolutely the same for all the users, but based on what you did in the upper part, based on how you engaged with the slideshow or looked at the videos or uh, spent time on reading the text into detail, the whole rest of the site was adapting uh, in real time to your needs or to you uh, to your engagement, um, which we see at the end of the day as something that's really unique and something that's uh, going to be a trend um, and listening to uh, the user needs and, and, and showing at the end of the day, showing them exactly that. Pretty cool. So basically what you're saying here is that you were using the live data that you were capturing from the landing page engagements and based on these data, each user would see a customized content, if I understand correctly. Absolutely right. That's what we did. Sounds pretty neat. And what were the results? I've read about it on the media, but I would like to know personally from you, what do you think? Was it worth the effort to do this personalization campaign? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to have uh, something relevant for the users, that's the way to go. If you want to have insights that are valuable to the company, we achieve that. Um, the thing is, if we as cheap as an international brand, we have many factories all around the globe. And uh, one model especially is built in the US that uh, is uh, pretty common in Austria, the cheap compass. And uh, so you can imagine with logistics and everything, it takes quite some time to get the car from the US factory uh, by ship to Europe and then to Austria. And what we learned with the campaign was how the users were reacting to the car, reacting to or individualizing the car. So now we are able to tell after um, a couple of months running time of the campaign, which are the configurations, which are the colors the users are more interested in, which are the, the seats, the trim levels, the wheels and everything. And now, at the end of the day, this is reflecting in our sales planning, and we are ordering more cars that are ex have exactly this configuration that we learned about. Um, and we are ordering them in the factory. And uh, since they now don't take five to uh, six months waiting time, they are actually here in the market. So at the end of the day, if you are interested in a Jeep, you will be able to get the car uh, right on the spot. Uh, and this is just because we listen to uh, what the Austrian market wants. It's fabulous. 
I really like these case studies when the good use of digital strategy and digital marketing have a positive effect on the whole company logistics. Because that's what you're saying here is that the delivery time of a car became faster as you were already aware of the patterns they would configure so you could prepare your stocks. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely mm -hmm. right. Cool. The automotive industry from the outside, I would say it looks like the typical B2C model. However, who has worked in it knows that there are a lot of B2B aspects in it. Did you use digital to facilitate any B2B engagement? Mm, I mean, in media plans, uh, obviously, we try uh, not to distinguish too much between them. Uh, we try to aim or we aim to uh, fitting the needs uh, of the campaign. But for sure, there are different uh, different publishers and different environments where you need to take place. And of course, we love uh, to have dedicated campaigns for the fleet and business part, for the B2B part. And here, as, as a company, the main goal would be to educate, to increase the share of voice in the market, to get on the shopping list. A lot of uh, competitors are well known and and B two B in B two B segments well known for years and have proven to be there. We, as a company, have increased our portfolio over the last years, and um, it grew. But uh, we need to make people more aware about that and uh, show them the uh, the USPs that we have in our products and. Um, we have awareness campaigns. We have campaigns that are dedicated to user choosers. So you have maybe a company car and you can choose. The company gives you a certain sum and lets you choose. And that's the people we want to aim for. So maybe with the brands like Alfa Romeo, you will not be having a, a company that's having a fleet of 200 cars, but you will be the one um, in the in the chairman's board where the, uh, the guys say, okay, maybe let's not drive... Uh, a gray car from Germany, maybe let's drive a red car from Italy and be someone special. So um, we established uh, quite some uh, new campaigns and um, we have a cooperation with Leases, which is a long-term rental company uh, and uh, which is really convenient. So we obviously try to test new approaches all along. The, right now we have a, a B2B campaign that uh, is called Stress-Free. And by that, we are just basically telling the customers, okay, you don't need to decide now. The offer we are showing to you is valid for six months. So now you are aware, take your time, think about it, which is in the automotive industry, uh, not that common. Normally it's like, okay, this is the offer, decide now because it's going to be expire at the end of the month. So especially in the B2B market, that's something uh, we need to do. And digital is uh, the best way to really target customers. And uh, you have obviously special interest channels. You have external database that you can buy for newsletters. You have LinkedIn, which pr has proven to uh, be really valuable to us uh, in, in, in B2B campaigns. We have uh, programmatic, obviously, for uh, low CPM. And we have content marketing. We, we, as I mentioned earlier, we need to tell our story and uh, we, sh we need to show what we are capable of um, without forcing our features uh, on the target audience. And um, there is a saying, it's, uh, it's a saying that uh, you either be the first, you cheat, or be smart. 
And at the end of the day, I mean, uh, yeah, we try to be the last one. We try to be smart. That's a really good strategy. And I'm glad you opened up this topic. It's also showing the brainness of the brand you're representing, because what you were saying is, I would say, a traditional sales tactic to close the deal as fast as possible. However, in the marketing noise we are living today, and as it's increasing day by day, these long-term offers I see are getting better and better traction and becoming more and more convenient for potential customers as you are not trying to push a contract on them with a very limited time, but you give them the possibility to breathe and to think about it. So I think you need to have the braveness to not to go right away after the sales numbers, but as you said, be smarter and win on the long term. It's a necessity. I mean, if you really want to be uh, on the market, you got to listen to uh, what uh, the, 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 the people, the users, the customers, however you want to call them, you got to listen to them and you react to their needs. If in, even if it comes with growing pain in the company, but if you want to be relevant, you got to do it, man. Absolutely. And this brings up the next question on my mind. Most car brands are facing a strategic challenge lately. Should you follow the Tesla model to directly sell online or should you keep using the well-established dealership networks? How do you tackle at FCA this question? Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. And it's uh, obviously something the, the industry will uh, have a challenge with for the next years to come. I have uh, the absolute opinion of, re I mean, I'm 100% convinced dealership network is and will be crucial for, for a long time to come. At the end of the day, our customer satisfaction, and we are really happy to be uh, on FCA level, uh, being one of the top markets in, in EMEA. Uh, with customer satisfaction and this only is because of the customers and their relationship with the dealer network this is this is the this is proof of uh, that people buy from people so they need to have a personal interaction if you have different sales opportunities obviously you got to leverage on them but at the end of the day people are want to have a conversation and want to have someone to explain the car to them we got to just make the sales more easier. Um, and as I said earlier, at the same time, we got to need to adapt to user needs. And these are changing rapidly. And uh, depending on our products, we obviously try to do new things. Um, two years ago, um, obviously, you know, Black Friday, the sales, um, big sales campaign that a lot of companies are doing yeah. every year at the end of November. Yeah. So two years ago, we said to ourselves, okay, let's try something new. Let's do something we've never done and, and was never done in the, in, the, in the automotive industry in Austria to that day. And we said, okay, um, let's sell 50 cars of the Fiat 500, the Cinquecento, which is like an icon in the automotive industry and uh, an iconic car for us. So we set ourselves the goal of, okay, selling 50 cars online. And it was tough, and we prepared for a long time. We set up a lot of uh, landing page mechanisms and newsletter reminders and timings, and it was it was really 
we had a war room where we prepared everything and it was really stressful the days that led up to uh, the black friday right and um i remember vividly uh it was uh, it started at uh 12 a.m uh sorry 12 p.m it was midnight and it, it started and i i remember sitting at home and there was the counter which just uh, was okay two minutes, 10 seconds, four seconds, three seconds. And then at midnight, it changed to how many cars are still available. And I was thinking to myself, oh God, I hope it works. Let's just at least sell some cars. And I remember it took 32 seconds that uh, and all the 50 models were gone. And uh, I was... As much, as much surprised as, as, surprised as anyone, anyone in the company, the company huh. that, it that it actually worked, actually worked. but, but uh, uh, so, so there is a business, business model of selling, of selling cars directly online, but it is something um, that, uh, although it was unheard of in the Austrian market uh, at that time, we're going to use for a special series, which um, there there is a way to further try this in the future, but... Um, Let's not forget, if you spend 60, 70K on a product, you want to be treated like it. There is the, um, there is the word liquid, uh, liquid expectations, which is just uh, representing you are now so used to have the customer experience that you have on Amazon and you have on Facebook and you have with uh, your, uh, your cell phone provider that you take these standards and put them on, on your everyday customer journey with all the companies. So if Amazon is that convenient, you expect to be treated with such a convenience every on everything to do. That's liquid expectations. And you got to react to that. And if it serves every touch point of the customer journey, which we try to do, then that's perfectly fine. That's something we got to try more. But uh, to come back to your question, your initial question, Selling cars online, it works for some models, for some special series, and it's uh, it's a great thing to do. And I still love our pilot campaign that we did. Um, but at the end of the day, without our dealer network that uh, is working with us for some dealers uh, of 60, 70 years, uh, it's it's something that will be valuable for a long time to come. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the in-depth answer. So what you are saying is a hybrid approach to leverage the potential possibilities which you can use for certain models, but still take care of your long bill dealership network and you're counting on them in the upcoming years as well. For sure, right? for sure, mm-hmm. for, sure. for sure. I mean, these are disruptive times and we all need to adapt and as we adapt as a company, uh, the, the same time our network is adapting and uh, we work as closely as possible with them. We have a lot of trainings and all the new things. And I take this as a pride that my team and I are really working on how to improve the relationship we have with them and not just forcing them some digital products onto them, but uh, showing them what can happen. and what is the benefit that we both take out of it at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, as I said, you just got to listen to the customer and uh, try to adapt as much as possible to be relevant. Yeah, that's a very strong thing you point out here because FCA 
as a big corporation, but what I'm hearing from your words that you are using the agile management approach to be able to adapt fast to the market's needs, right? You, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do that. Yeah. Basically, if you dive deep on this a bit, this could also mean that you will be using campaign data to facilitate maybe dealership sales. Is that an option for the future? Yeah, of course. In the five years I've been with the company, um, I'm happy to say that uh, the the trust that the dealer have in uh, digital campaigns on their own campaigns, so not the national campaigns that we are doing, but on their local campaigns, they're now trusting way more the digital part of the media mix. Uh, when I joined the company, 1% of the whole media mix coming from the dealer network was digital. Now we have uh, 41. So uh, together we uh, learned a lot, we grew a lot, and uh, obviously you gotta, you got to use the data, you can't ignore it. True. We hear it now on almost every channel, especially we who are into digital, that the importance of data is critical. But I would like to split a bit this topic in two points, because actually right now you can collect data almost from anywhere. But what about the quality of the data? Are you on the side who believe that digital leaders should be using data on a daily basis? Or do you think this is more a business intelligence topic and you should be only checking the conclusive KPIs? What's your approach on this topic? I'm going to sound really strange right now, but uh, I think and I honestly think our digital industry uh, in the last years, uh, the industry tends to hide itself behind numbers. There is a click-through ratio here, there's a cost per click there, a view time and so on and so on. But I think at the end of the day it comes down to what is the real outcome at the end of the day. and. Is it selling a product? Is it creating value for the users and the company in equal measure? I mean, you've got to think about it. So um, only then, I think, if you're creating value for both, then it is what can be considered successful. So I don't care if the conversion rate at the end of the day is, if it is higher, then I don't care if the view time of the video is not showing something that uh, would lead to uh, the conclusion. It's... Um, of course, we love to have control of all the KPIs and we optimize them during all our campaigns. And in close cooperation with our media agency, uh, and they do a great job uh, to them, uh, together with them, we optimize during the campaigns and we make assumptions afterwards based on the data. But you, you need to see the big picture. And nevertheless, we need to attribute the KPIs to the right part of the customer journey. I mean, a video is supposed to create awareness, to create emotion, to generate reach and views. So it's not meant to generate leads or hard selling KPIs. At the same time, whereas tactical activities like we have always on activities, a lot of them in our media plan, we have programmatic, we have retargeting, we have Google AdWords, we have social, social lead ads, we have a cooperation with a car marketplace. So those tactical activities are the ones or that should deliver the hard KPIs. And um, I think digital marketing can deliver all the data, as you said, which is sometimes a blessing and occurs at the same time. So let's judge the numbers properly and let's make the best out of it. 
I like your pragmatic approach. I think it's critical not to get lost in the numbers and to know what are you aiming for at the end of the day. And thanks for pointing out the difference between the tactical KPIs and the awareness KPIs. Because many times what I learned from the market is that people expect sales KPIs from each marketing activity, which is of course not going to happen because it's a totally different thing. So thanks for elaborating on that. Let's move to our next topic. What do you think are the most important digital trends that a digital strategist or a digital marketer should follow and implement nowadays? That's a big one. I think I, I gotta. It's going to take me some minutes to uh, tell you about it because I. I think we are as an industry are really good at creating trends and uh, having a hype about some topics, but it's not uh, real value. As I, I have to put it, uh, this phrase again, it's, if it's not creating value, then it's just a hype and it's going to come and go. I mean, one of the trends is, and I really love to do so, is test as much as you can. Stay curious and stay naive. Don't say no right away just because it failed maybe two years ago. I remember I talked to Aaron Weigel, who is uh, working with Booking.com, and uh, we were at a conference uh, two weeks ago, and she, she had a really nice keynote where she said, okay, I fail on a daily basis, but just because of them, I can improve and I can learn. So this is one of the things I want to um, I want to really um, copy that test as much as you can. And uh, we in digital have the possibility with a lot of A/B testing or A/B/C/D/E testings um, to really see what's uh, what's interesting to the customers. And yeah. uh, the, the the content marketing campaign that uh, we were talking about earlier is the perfect proof of it. And I think content marketing is is really a trend, and it's uh, it's it should be something that all of the companies should do. I mean, it's storytelling. It's like tell the people about your reason why as a company. There is this great guy. He's called Simon Sinek, and uh, he has a concept of the golden circle. And the main thing is that he's saying is. It's about the reason why you gotta tell the customers not what you're doing, not what you what you're selling. They they know that they can do a research on that, but you gotta tell them the reason why you're doing it. And if you believe it, then they will believe it. So tell a story, be transparent. That's one of the trends I would recommend every company to follow. Um, put yourself in the shoes of the users. Work with using their perspective and not just, we always tend to be like a big company. We are a big company in Austria. We are a big company worldwide and we are set in our ways. And it's sometimes difficult to steer a big company in a different direction, but um, you got to see the big picture and you got to choose to see the big picture and try to, to, uh, to work out of the perspective of the user because that's the only way you can, uh, at the end of the day, improve your customer journey and your customer experience um, to, to the needs of the users. Um, um, one thing would be leverage on ideas from others uh, that are not maybe not in your department uh, and don't have the same skills or the same knowledge on, on certain topics, but take their ideas, let their ideas uh, grow and um, maybe let the, their ideas fail, but you got to try. I mean, I've learned so much from trainees that I had in my department 
because they have a new perspective and they see things differently and they try out different things and I got to learn from that. So it's not only a trend, in, I think, in the, in the industry, but I think it's about having success in what you do, uh, in what you're doing. Um, and talking, and about, talking trends, about trends, I, I, I definitely recommend, recommend don't, don't follow, follow trends trend. just for the sake of it. You got to use it if it makes sense to your business needs and it, if it benefits the users li- at the same time. Likewise, then you get to use it. But I, in the last years in the industry, I've, I've seen so many trends come and go. And it was like, there's the phrase that I love to use. It's called bullshit bingo. Um, there are so many, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a great one. There's so many so many companies that are trying to sell you something and, 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 and just ride the hype. And you are like, okay. okay. And after yeah, two after questions, two you ask them, you, you immediately see there's nothing behind it. So... Um, you gotta you, you use the trends that, that there are in the markets, but just if it makes sense to you as a company. And um, we have a lot of pilot campaigns that maybe fail, and that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, at the end of the day, if it works, great. You'll be the first to do so. If not, then you, you you've learned something. Um, but at the same time, I do believe that something good can always be improved. So it's while it is important to try new stuff. Uh, we should not forget uh, to optimize the things that we are already doing properly, because that's um, that's the easy way to do. Like I gotta test this here, and I gotta think of the new campaign there, and you gotta have this new thing over there, and it's great and do that, but don't forget uh, to keep an eye on the things that you're already doing great, because if you forget them, maybe they won't be so great in two weeks' time. <laughs> You were mentioning personalized communication earlier, and I think as content marketing is, that's a, a trend as well. Um, we, as, as an automotive industry now, uh, I'm talking about their perspective, we need to be user-centric instead of just purely focus on the products or features we do have. We really obviously try to sell a product, and that's perfectly fine, but we are not going to sell the product just by saying this is the new cheap renegade starting at 20k this this is not going to do the trick you got to need there is there is the crucial need to focus on the customer perspective and to communicate with the customer having this on the table and not just okay the usp is the one, two, three, four, five features that I'm going to tell you. No, it is the emotion that is going to be transported in the communication that we do have. Um, so uh, this is, for me, such an important factor that I think a lot of the companies are missing. So I would recommend to everyone, put the customer in the center of your communication, not the product. But use the data as a support. Um, the data is not the only truth there is. Numbers can only tell you as much as you want it to. You got to add the qualitative insights, customer feedbacks to have a real 360 degree approach. And that's what we are trying to do. But uh, take the best out of the data and not just uh, take any marketing trend that's uh, supposedly sell you something. Yes, that was really detailed. Thank you. And what I really like about your thinking is that the importance of piloting nowadays is critical. And as you said, 
it's okay to fail a pilot campaign. And actually, one of the purposes of piloting is to find all the ways that are not working too, because then you know that you won't spend in a way 100,000 euros to a specific campaign because you piloted it and you know that it is not working. But as time goes on, maybe you should repilot some of the ideas you have because as trends change and user behavior changes, it can happen that what didn't work three years ago will work in the next three years. I think a conclusion here is to be open-minded, but most importantly, to put yourself in your customer's shoes in order to find out what would your customer do in a certain situation and try to map all the relevant necessities. So moving forward in our discussion, I think it's pretty important to also talk about the dark side, if I may call it like that. Many people see just the tip of the iceberg and think everything in digital is a huge success. And when they fail, they lose their faith. What were the biggest setbacks and how did you manage to overcome those? What was the strategy that helped you step out from the potholes? Can you tell us some of your failures, some of the stories which were critical in your life? Gladly. I mean, I started in this company, I started basically as a one-man show. Uh, the department was uh, me and that was it. It was me and my own. Um, and, the, and the only one believing in, in me and in my ideas was uh, my my boss at that time, Andras Spiegel. Um, and uh, I have uh, the utmost respect for this man because he, maybe he did not understand, he, he, he did he tried to understand everything I was doing, but it was, I mean, it's, it was new and it was a lot. And, but he would, he trusted me and he was supportive for 100%. And he told me that it is a matter of persistence um, to, even after you failed, to stick with the course, test it, stick with it, and accept the, all the consequences that come out of it. Um, there is the saying, some good thing, uh, some, uh, some people say, Good things come to those who wait or to those who believe. I think the truth is good, thing, uh, good things come to those who work hard at the end of the day. And as I said, I was a one-man show and now we are 10 people and now we can set bigger goals. Obviously, we had a lot of campaigns that failed. We had a lot of idea that we rolled out in the market and basically saw it's not going to happen. We started with the lead management. So you register on the website and you want to do a test drive and then your contact is handed over to a call center and to the dealer and so on. We started it five years ago and we had a lot of pushbacks. We had a lot of setbacks. And even in 2019, we have a lot of discussions about that topic. But now we already sold more cars through this in the first four months of this year than in the whole last year. So we see it's working, but at the same time, I always remember the troubles that we had rolling it out. So it it puts a perspective to everything. Um, we, we, as I said, and I'm I'm really I'm proud of the failures that we we had because you mentioned it earlier. It saves you a lot of money because you know what's not working and you're not going to do it again and not going to spend uh, 
a lot of uh, a lot of money and a lot of budget on big campaigns that at the end of the day turn out to to not work. Uh, for us, for example, we had a, a big campaign uh, for Fiat that was supposed to be a video uh, branding on a lot of uh, websites at the same time. And I was so convinced that this is the way to go. And it was a beautiful video and it was two and a half minutes. It was really a story and Adrian Brody was starring. And, and we, I thought, okay, this is it. This is, this is going to work. But at the end of the day, we saw it was just simply not. People were not interested in watching a video, being in this environment and being at those publisher sites. People do want to watch the video, but they went on YouTube and did that. So the YouTube video had a lot of views and uh, in on an EMEA level, we had 30 million views on the video, but the view time and the click rates on our video brandings was just simply not successful. So um, it's it was really interesting to see. It was a big learning and uh, it was while it was a setback at that time, and we were really questioning um, our planning. At, at the same time, I'm happy that we did it, and I'm happy that we we had this uh, this 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 failure um, because uh, it made us think and it made us stay curious. Thank you for that. I think it's a pretty bold move, and it's also a good thing to openly discuss about failures. As we are all humans at the end of the day, not machines, we cannot foresee every success pattern, of course. By the pilot campaigns and the experience we gather, we are becoming better and better in the specific niche markets. But it can happen that everything looks perfect, but it's not working. If you, if you work a lot, then you can fail a lot. That's okay. That's the mentality I try to establish uh, with my team. You work your ass off then you're allowed to fail. I mean, if you're doing nothing and you fail, okay, then we have a problem. <laughs> but as long as you, as, as long as you giving your best and there is, there is room for failure. And only through failure, I think we can benefit on the long run. Absolutely. I had a discussion with a US marketer who said only those people who are not brave enough to fail will live in this ideal comfort until one day they will not have a job anymore. Because if you're always on the safe side and you're always just doing what you are sure is working and you're not taking any risks, then it might happen that in six months or maybe two years, but not in a long time for sure, you won't have a future in that job. So yes, yeah, I love that. Yeah, people <laughs> are afraid to burst a bubble, but yeah. you gotta do that. I, the 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 boss of IBM recently said in an interview I saw, she said a beautiful thing. She said, "Growth and comfort never coexist." And this is this is beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Okay, so we touched on the dark side, but now let's go to the bright side. Tell us about your biggest success in digital. The one thing that you are the most proud of. Um, I mean, there could be a lot of things, uh, and I don't want to sound too arrogant here, but there could be awards that we won. Uh, just mm -hmm. yesterday, actually, uh, yesterday evening, we won an uh, award for a content marketing campaign that we did uh, for Jeep, 
that we just talked about uh, earlier. Uh, we won uh, a local award. Um, so I could talk about these awards or I could talk about Black Friday again, where we sold 50 cars in 32 seconds or some praised local initiatives that we did, some first mover project, some EMEA best practice. And I don't get me wrong, I love to have those and I, I cherish them and they motivate me. But um, the fun part is that some success stories are the most boring campaigns that you can imagine. It's, <laughs> it's, they, these are campaigns that nobody would give a crap. Nobody would listen to you while you talk about it because it's just simply boring. But at the end of the day, if they sell the cars, that's fine fine to me. I mean, there there are campaigns that are where you have a lot of fun creating the campaigns and watching them come to life. And I love that. Uh, when you start with an idea and then you sit together with your team and the agencies and it grows and you think, okay, this is going to get good. Um, I love that. That that would that would be a real success for me. Um, and uh, combining ATL communication and digital communication, have a perfect fit with them and not just having the divide between, okay, this is ATL, this is BTL. No, it's uh, like working together, find a good solution, take the lever, or take the learnings that you have based on uh, based on the data, and then maybe use it for print advertorial. So if online the red car uh, works with talking about the features, about comfort, uh, then why not use the story and tell it in print or in radio or wherever? Very good. So your mentality is similar to Dave Brailsford's former coach of the national British cycling team who started to change and improve the little things. Things like changing the bed quality, the food quality, to have better sleeping times, to have better massage people. And all these little things ended up that the UK dominated the Beijing Olympics and kept growing, forming people like Chris Froome a four-time winner of the Tour de France. I remember the coach saying, yeah, it was not one big idea. It was all the little elements that they were building year by year and then having great results. So I adhere to that 100%. And what I really enjoy in discussing with you is that I can feel that you are, again, I'm saying walking the talk as what I've heard from your words and I try to decompose here is that you're actually enjoying the journey. Whether it's with difficulties, whether it's boring, whether it's with bright ideas. It's not about getting from one day to the other. It's about having a great digital journey. Yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure. I mean, I mean you spend 12, 15 hours a day uh, doing your job. So make the most out of it. You gotta love it. Uh, because uh, I think the industry is love it or leave it. And I tend to love it, and that's why uh, I uh, I get up every morning and not uh, being pissed about uh, going to work, but being happy for the little things and uh, for improve the daily daily work and improve the, the the customer journey. And at the end of the day, hope to sell the product. I love that approach. Our listeners are probably thinking, are we talking about digital? or about sentiments. 
but I think perspectives and emotions are critical in this job as well. Although we work a lot with the data and a lot of digital mechanisms are in the background, but yes, at the end of the day, we're also humans and we enjoy what we do. So how do you see the openness and of course, the responsiveness of other marketers and generally the market accepting and implementing new digital things? Because what you were saying here and the experiences you shared are not common, I would say. I'm working in certain industries in 26 countries and you are one of a kind. And I would like to give our audience and all to our listeners a bit of your inner perspective. How do you see the market in general on being and thinking about digital today? I mean, the Austrian market is, uh, I think, still not as progressive as I would want it to be. Um, there's a lot of CPM, so cost per mille. It like uh, there are a lot of traditional ways of booking, and uh, media buying is not as progressive, as I said, as um, as I would want it to be. In Austria, everything takes time. Or in life, everything takes time. In Austria, sometimes it takes even longer. Um, so, uh, as I said earlier, programmatic, until two years ago, programmatic was just, as I like to call it, a bullshit bingo word and or bullshit bingo phrase. But it grew. and uh, But at, at that time, everyone talked about it. But no one knew what was behind it. And no, no one knew what would make it successful. And um, no publishers used it properly, and nor had they the knowledge to deal with it. So, but now it's it's up and running, and it's it's getting better. So we're getting there, but but slowly. So this is this is this would be an obstacle that I face on a daily basis. That I would love to have the environment uh, in terms of digital media buying being um, on a level that you most probably have in the U.S. or in in in, in UK. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, as the, the, the market is, I think at the same time, the users and the customers are somewhat set in their ways and, uh, staying close to their user behavior that they showed five years ago in general. Um, so just because I might, or you might think uh, something is working, it does not mean that it really does at the end of the day. Um, there is, uh, the, there's another failure story that I can share with you now. Um, so, uh, for example, for Abarth, which is the, the sport car brand for Fiat, mm -hmm. um, we had a really great 60 second online video that we showed on, uh, on social and based on the view time, uh, you got retargeting ads from us, uh, uh, for uh, for lead ads for a test drive. So we said, okay, if you watched more than seventy five percent of the video, then let's show you um, let's show you uh, lead ads, and we were sure that they will convert better, right? So I mean, if you if you took the time to watch the video, you gotta be interested. <laughs> yeah. And it was disillusioning that it was we did an A B testing, and it was disillusioning. It was exactly the same KPI. And we were really, it was a head scratcher. We were like, okay, how can that be possible? But again, this is an obstacle that you got to face that if the customers are not adapting as the way you want it to, 
then they are simply not. You get then you the one who needs to adapt, not the user. <laughs> Absolutely. For, uh, another failure story would be for Fiat. Um, we had uh, a famous Austrian uh, actress, and we had her as a testimonial. Um, and she started that time in, at the biggest Austrian TV series. And uh, she was a testimonial for the uh, Fiat 500X, which would be a crossover SUV. Mm-hmm. And um, as I said, she was starring in the biggest TV show. And we had a comp- an out-of-home campaign with her and a big digital campaign with her. So what we tried to do is uh, leveraging uh, on second screen. By second screen, I mean people sit in front of the TV, but having their smartphone and are on social next to watching the TV. So we said, okay, during the airtime of this said show, why not leverage on the uh, second screen and show ads of the actress together with our product? Because we said, okay, there's got to be the the interest in her. There's got to be the recognition of her to the ad. But there were no difference in the results whatsoever. So these are just two examples that I can tell you about, about failure, failure, but, but about, about the obstacles on a daily basis. basis. And uh, you got to stay curious. So I basically can say this. Keep trying. Keep pushing until you succeed. It's, it's, all, it's all about persistence. You got to try. You got to fail. And you got to try even harder. It's... it's, it's Coming full circle to what I said earlier with the, with the trends that I see, but I can only tell you that much that it's what's working for me or it was what looks like it's going to work for me. So um, that's that's the main thing I can give you and uh, and the listeners in this podcast. It's keep pushing until you succeed. You make it work. If it's not, if working, it's not working, make it work. Yes, I really like that. And what you said, it's pretty interesting because we are following the trends on a global scale and basically this programmatic and we call it automatic approach as well. It started in the US in the time when Google started their Google AdSense and AdWork networks. So quite a long ago and slowly came to Europe and Asia and then across the globe. However, with what you experienced with the Jeep campaign, and with the personalization and specifically the hyper personalization what we see it's coming faster and even in some markets where the programmatic media buying and all the market automation is not on the level as what we can experience maybe in the us or in the uk even though the personalization technology is coming stronger and maybe the automation background is not there but the need for hyper-personalization is already here and we can see it from West Europe to East Europe and even the Middle East and even some African and some Asian companies are already trying and experiencing this. So Europe and Asia might not be on the level of programmatic media buying as the US, but the need for using hyper-personalization is already there. This means that it can happen that not all the trends come true and some trends can get better traction faster in these countries as well. Absolutely. And I think personalization, it's, it's, a, it's a basic thing to do. It's not like, okay, this is the hyper trend that you got to follow. It's like, no, 
I mean, I always get so angry when I receive a newsletter and the companies are not able to do a personalized newsletter. I'm like, okay, how are you leveraging on your database? These are the simple things. These are the quick wins. And uh, we got to, as I said earlier, we got to use personalization just as a possibility to, at the end of the day, reach the customers and be relevant to the customers because they hate advertising. They do. Austria is the market where you have the most out-of-home placements all over the world. Austria is clustered with out-of-home. Austria, Austrian magazines are clustered with advertising. And while I do love advertising, and I'm doing it for over 10 years now, I do love it and I do love to work in the field. I do love that the field is changing rapidly and we got to adapt with it. And that's the cool thing to do. And that's, that's a cool thing to be part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've touched on multiple digital layers. And as we are approaching the end of the podcast, I would have a question that's pretty challenging, but I hope we can get an insight from you. What would be the one thing you would recommend for digital strategists and business executives who are working in the enterprise and corporate world to follow through? So what would be one strategic advice that you would give to this audience? If I would have to pin it down to just one, I would have to say, follow every step of the process. Just because you have a good idea, it's not enough to make it successful. Follow every small step in the process from the idea to the execution, because only then in the recap, you can know what went wrong or what made it successful and then you can use that as a, as a copy for for a different uh, projects that would be the one thing be consistent be persistent and think of everything and be involved even in the little things and uh, because that's where you that's where you learn thank you for that so i think this is a very good takeaway as a closing idea to be persistent to be brave, to be brave enough to fail, brave enough to pilot, and keep it on going until you succeed. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that uh, would summarize my personality. <laughs> I love your personality, and thanks for sharing these great insights and for joining our show. It thanks was a lot, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks real for pleasure, me. and uh, let's keep in touch. And, uh, for sure. Have a great day. You too. You too. Thanks again, man. Thanks. If you want to read more on similar topics, please subscribe at think.cognitivecreators.com to the Cogniverse blog, where I share relevant insights on creating real business value through digital how artificial intelligence can assist digital marketing and how business transformations are carried out through revolutionary digital technology. These are all real life examples, learnings and insights that matter and can make a difference in your journey towards digital. I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep being persistent on your digital activities. Until next time, bye-bye.